Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. God is providing like we've been praying for. Amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning. We, uh, well, let's just get started. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And, uh. We talk about um, the order of things and how Easter came and all. And so we're going to be going into to, to this message soon on the Holy Spirit. And uh, he doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to ask Pastor Bill in a few weeks, Pentecost Sunday, to share the message. And so you're going to be around? So you don't want to miss that. Probably in my life, the... The message that has woke me up the most is his teaching on the Holy Spirit. And if I'm being frank and totally honest, I just still don't catch it all yet, okay? And that's why I share with you every week to be patient. I'm growing and learning. I'm doing my best to stay a step ahead, but uh, there's much to learn. And gosh, the more you look, the more there is to learn, which is wonderful and it's lovely. And when you get time to soak the word, there is just no better feeling on it. Amen? So, you know, let's just open our Bibles this morning and and read with me Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. It says, The first account I composed, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as They were gazing intently into the sky while he was going. Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. 
So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this word as we move forward in the progress of the church, Lord God. As we, as we take a look at, at, at how things progressed from the beginning of your ministry, Lord, until today. And so, God, speak to our hearts this morning. Reveal yourselves to us this morning, God. Holy Spirit, have your way with us this morning that someone in here or everyone in here would get a revelation, a new revelation of who you are and, and, and what you mean to them, Lord God. Bless them this morning as they hear this word, Lord. If anything I say is not of you, Lord, do not let it be received in their ears. But God, if you are speaking to them, Lord, speak loudly and clear so that they may know and hear and that may pursue the truth of life and have the joy that you have set before us, Lord. And so we praise you and give you glory this morning, and we thank you that we can come together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Now Luke is the writer of Acts, and as he starts the book of Acts, he reminds his readers that his first composition, and it's the book we know as Luke, was to inform the readers all about that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. So he has taken and written the book of Luke so that you could understand and we could understand and anybody who reads that book could understand all the things that Jesus did and taught until he was taken up to heaven. And then he informs the readers of Acts that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, gave orders to the apostles. And today I want you to look at verse 3 specifically, and Luke writes this. To these, the apostles, he, meaning Jesus, also presented himself alive, say alive, after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now let's take a moment and just think about something here. Over the past several weeks, I've been trying to get us look at all the things that were leading up to Easter, to Easter Sunday, and the events that happened after it. It's kind of been what we've been looking at as we're walking through this. I've asked you to put yourself in their shoes, to think about the journey that they're on, and not just read this as just a reader in a casual sense because we know it a thousand times and done it a thousand times, but that we would look at it and we would think about what they're going through and what, and what they're doing. We talked about Palm Sunday. Uh, Jesus telling the disciples about he was going to die. We talked about Jesus, what we said he was died, he died in the garden. He died to himself in the garden. We talked about the arrest. We talked about the trial that he had, the crucifixion and the burial. And then we talked about a few weeks ago the empty tomb and the disciples' reaction to the empty tomb. And Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. Jesus uh, appearing to the disciples when Thomas wasn't with them in the upper room. And then eight days later, Jesus appears when Thomas is there. And we also hit on, but we didn't study, that he appeared to those who were walking on the road to Emmaus. Now, one of the concerns I have about Christians today and the events of Easter Sunday is that we have this sense that Jesus does his three years of ministry. He gets put on a cross. He dies for our sins. He is buried in a grave. And he is resurrected back to life. And then he just runs off to heaven. 
And if we're not careful, we put so much emphasis on Easter Sunday that our minds sometimes can have that. That we think somehow that's the end of the story. We don't do it on purpose, I don't think. Um, it's just something that kind of happens because, you know, we are programmed for Easter Sunday as a Christian. We love that. We love that day. We know that's our life. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation 1.4. Revelation 1.4. And we'll read 1, 4 through 6. Revelation 1, chapter 1, 4 through 6. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and is who is to come. And from the seven spirits are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he had made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ the faithful witness, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead. And Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the dead. Now some of you at this point want to say, well, he's not the first person that got resurrected. We see Elijah, we see Elisha. We know that uh, Jesus himself raised from the dead. We know later that Peter did and Paul did. But they were raised from the dead. They were not resurrected. He is the first. He is the firstborn. His ministry isn't over. It's just begun. So we have this concept, I think, and if I'm falsely accusing, it's okay. You can tell me about it later. But we have this concept. We read about him, and he's been here three years, and he does this ministry. He does this wonderful thing where he goes to the cross for us, and, and he dies for us that we might be free, and then he's risen again, and he's resurrected. And then we kind of somehow almost close that chapter if we're not careful. But Jesus' ministry isn't over. It's just beginning. Colossians 1.18 says this, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. That in everything He might be preeminent. Now don't let those words slip by you because if we're not careful, we're the problem on allowing Him to be preeminent in everything. But the Bible says he is. As the firstborn of the dead, Jesus is both first in time and he's also first in preeminence. As the first to be raised from the dead, Christ is the founder and initiator of the new era that God is bringing about through Jesus' victory over sin and death. Okay, so don't let this slide by. He is the firstborn of what's going to happen from there to all eternity with those who believe. Are you with me? Jesus will spend the next 40 days or so after the Last Supper launching, if you will, the entire creation of the world into the new covenant. He doesn't just run off on us. 
Acts 1.3, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many, that's probably the line today that I want you to catch a hold of, by many convincing proofs, by many convincing proofs, we'll keep going, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. He didn't just get resurrected and run off and leave the boys. He stayed for the appointed time to put the exclamation point on his purpose. Now turn to John chapter 20, if you will. John chapter 20. And remember, Jesus appears to them. We had this a few weeks ago. In verse 19, and in verse 19 through 22, he says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And we just read in Acts, he said, Now boys, don't go nowhere. I want you to go over in a few days and you're going to get the power. But up here in the upper room, when he comes back to them, and he says, Peace be with you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? He breathed on them. I don't know. I, I, I try to think about these things visually. We've talked about this. Are they in a room and, and, and he just inhales and just goes, and breathes on them and instantly? Or does he go up to Peter and say, John, I don't know. We don't know. It doesn't say. But we know this. He breathed on them, and he breathed life into them. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that this is their new generation as far as I'm concerned. I could be wrong. You let the Holy Spirit lead you on those answers, but I believe at this point they're saved. I believe their eyes are open. I believe just like when they walked to Emmaus, when he broke the bread in front of them, their eyes were open, something changed in their heart, in their spirit. Cheryl talked about it earlier, in our spirit, that our spirit man is now made alive again, just like God breathed into Adam. I mean, Adam's walking and talking. He certainly has breath in his lungs to make his body work. It's not about the air of oxygen we're breathing. We're talking about the breath of life. We're talking about Jesus breathing into them. Can you imagine it? I wonder, I wonder what their reaction was. I wonder how they received that. Because he said, receive it. I mean, I'd be like, oh, get, it, get it all in, right? I don't know. I'm just saying. You ever thought about it? We have now. <laughs> receive the Holy Spirit. But let's start reading in verse 30. John 20, 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. We have this tendency to think that everything he's done is somehow written here. It's not. It's not even close. They couldn't even do it. Can you imagine? They couldn't even sit down. It must be every moment of the day as people in lines and droves were coming to him for healing, it said. These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now look at John 21. We're going to read forward from there. And after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Verse 2. 
Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat and at night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Or he actually says, children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and when they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. Verse 9. So when they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land large, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. My man. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised to dead. Raised from the dead. Okay, there are a few things in this passage of what I, I personally would like to offer an opinion on, so I'm going to share that with you. I'm saying it is an opinion, so as you read it and you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what the Scripture is saying, I'm perfectly fine with that. We're probably not going to agree on everything that I say, but this is me. I personally don't believe that Peter's throwing in the towel here as some theologians would believe. I think John is just simply writing the facts as he always does, and he says... Peter says, I'm going fishing. I don't think he's somehow quitting the ministry or just going back to fishing as a career. I don't think that. Some do, and it's okay. But I'm here to share with you what I do think so that you might think about it a little more as well. There's a lot that's just happened. There's a lot that's going on. So some would say that Simon Peter is full of guilt and full of shame and he can't take it anymore and that he's going to go fishing. That could be true. I don't know. We don't really know. I don't believe that. First of all, he's the first one that gets to the empty tomb and goes in. He's in the upper room when Jesus appears to them. In fact, it says the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. I'm assuming it doesn't say that the disciples rejoiced all except Peter. It says they all rejoice. Why wouldn't they? They saw the Lord. This is real. He's also there when Jesus appears eight days later with Thomas. He hasn't run off. He hasn't quit the ministry. 
I think most importantly, he was in the room when Jesus breathed on him and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And I believe at that moment, Peter has changed just like the rest of them. That's what I believe. Just think about all that's happened. I think Peter's excited about what's next. I think he's now saved and he's waiting on further instructions. And I think he just wants to go fishing. Uh, it's what he does. It's what he knows. It's probably what he likes to do. I have friends who are fishermen. They, they love to fish. I'm not a fisherman. Um, I like to fish, but there are people who live for fishing. You ever notice, man, they can't wait to get off work. They're going to the nearest pond. They're going to cast a, a line in the water. They're going fishing. They love to fish. I believe God made them that way, if I'm being honest. I know some people like to hunt, and they'll be in the woods when it's 28 degrees, and I'm thinking, that ain't for me either. But they just like what they do. I believe Peter's just doing what he feels right now in a good way. In a sense, he's comfortable. He's relaxed. This is what I think, okay? I also think there's a lot to think about. I mean, look what has just happened. You have the whole events of all of those things. Jesus appears to them. He says, peace be with you. Let's just assume for a minute Peter receives that peace. Hey, I'm at peace. This is all good. Man, this is good stuff. I don't know. Just saying. I don't see him as quitting. In fact, I think Jesus is glad that they're going fishing. I really do. Um, sometimes, you know, when you, when you go through a tough time or, or you lose someone or you're just, um, you're even in a bad spot maybe, sometimes going and doing what you do and being familiar lets your mind kind of think better. Yeah? Okay, good. I'm glad somebody agrees with me there. I think that's what this is a little bit about. I think all the boys are ready for a fishing trip. You know, I just sold a pole barn to a guy over in Laurel, and the first thing I saw when I pulled in his yard was his great big boat. Now, I'm not fishing, but my guys always talk about fishing, and I'm thinking, okay, how about we work a little barter here? We'll get you a barn built, you take us all fishing, and, you know, we're in. So, but he, that guy loves to fish. I mean, he's probably got, I don't even know how much the boat costs. Scares me to how much to think about it. Pam's pop-up ran a charter boat for years. They go out on the water. It's part of who they are. They love it. I think they're just getting away for a minute. I really do. I don't think it's a bad thing is what I'm trying to say to you. I think sometimes God wants us to enjoy life and do what we do and do what we're good at. These guys were fishermen. In fact, keep your finger there. Turn back to uh, Luke 5. Let's go to Luke 5. Keep your finger there in John. We'll come right back to it. Let's read 5, 1 through 11. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, they're talking about Jesus, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, who we know as Peter, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. Listen, they fish at night, okay? Not unusual. It's when they preferred to fish. But he says, we have fished all night and we have caught nothing. But I will do as you say and I will let down the nets. 
When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement has seized him and his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They went out, they got into their boats, and they caught nothing. They fished all night and caught nothing. But when day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach and he says, Children, let's go back there. John chapter 21, verse 5. Children, you do not have any fish, do you? Does this sound familiar to you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. So they cast and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Now let's pause there for a moment. First of all, I think there's a message of provision tucked in everything in the Bible. He is our provider. There is a measure of provision, but it only comes after they listen to what the Lord has told them to do. Can you hear what I'm saying, church? When they fished all night without his input, without his uh, uh, speaking into what they should do, they caught nothing. And at one word, he says, cast your net on the other side. And at one word, they listen. And at one word, they're obedient to it. And at one word, they catch more fish than they can dream of. And I think there's provision. I think wherever we go, Jesus will provide. Now, I'm not into this uh, prosperity gospel message. That's it's just an error. If you're poor, you can be poor and still have provision. You can. I believe that. It's not about prosperity. Can you be prosperous? Yes. That's not what provision is. Provision is giving you what you need to take care of you for that moment, for that time. And Jesus is all about providing for us. If you're stuck in your life and you feel that you're not seeing the fruit maybe of your ministry or even just the fruit of your work, or you think you ought to be seeing uh, maybe uh, other things in your life that should be happening in your life, and you feel like you're fishing all night and you've caught nothing, Perhaps you need to stop and give the Lord your ear and let him speak to you. Now back to verse 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. So they cast and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. To me, this is another example of Jesus saying to them, boys, I've not just run off to heaven. I'm here. He brings them right back to where he found them 
We just read that in Luke. He says, I am here. He says, you can count on me. You can trust me. You are not alone. I will provide for you. In fact, I will provide for you so much. If you listen to me, your nets might break. How many want a broken net in that fashion? Thank you, Teresa. Amen. Think about this. Right before their eyes, Jesus is showing them the exact same miracle that he showed them three years earlier when he told them he would make them fishers of men. His ministry is not over. It's just beginning. How profound. It's just the beginning. He is now launching them into what he has taught them. Look at verses 7 through 11. I love our man of action here. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. He didn't gingerly jump overboard to go meet his Savior. Some of you are putting your toe in the water when you're going to meet your Savior. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you want to just test it out and make sure it's okay. Are you kidding me? With all that you've been through in your life and all that He has done for you, you're still sticking your toe in the water? Peter threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. I'd love it to be there to get served bread by the bread. God has that for us. The bread of life wants, us to, wants to serve us the bread of life. Isn't that crazy? And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish. Get the picture now. Simon's already run up to him. He's already there. I mean, this has got to be crazy. He's like, are you kidding? This has happened again. And this is, this is Jesus' third appearance here, okay? So even if he was having any kind of doubts or thoughts in his mind, it's all confirmed. Jesus is showing, I'm not going anywhere. I've not left you. This is not a dream. This wasn't a fake thing that just happened. This is real, boys. And I'm showing you who I am. And he's already up there with Jesus. And then Jesus says, get some fish. Well, he turns around. He's running to help get the nets in. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. Pop up, did you ever catch 153 at a time? Probably. Amen. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus says, come and have breakfast. I care about you. I will feed you. I will take care of you. He took the bread and he gave it to them and the fish likewise. And this is the third time that Jesus manifested himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want to take a few minutes to move into the next section here. 
And I don't want to do a full survey on it because I believe the church has done a pretty fair job of talking about the different types of love there are. And this is a very familiar passage, but let's just read through it. We'll share a few moments on it. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter in verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he, and he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. And I do believe that Jesus is pointing to the fish when he says, do you love me more than these? Because I know you love to fish, Peter. I know you love to do this, but do you love me more? Or perhaps he was even talking about his brothers there. I don't know. Either way, Peter has this moment with Jesus. And just like Jesus did for Thomas when he came back up in his second appearance, where he affirms Thomas and reveals himself to Thomas because I believe he cares about Thomas, Jesus now uses his third encounter to restore Peter fully and to establish Peter as a true fisher of men or in the words of Jesus, perhaps, a true shepherd. I don't think Jesus is upset they went fishing. I think he loved it. I think he loved the example and he loved the opportunity to meet them out where they were, to call them to the shore, to feed them, to love on them. And can I share with you just for a moment that we read this? It took me about 38 seconds to read that passage. Do you really believe that Jesus was just there with Peter for 38 seconds? He has been on the shore. He has started a fire. They got to drag the fish up. They got to clean some fish. Jesus is pouring into his disciples. Can you imagine the questions they're asking? You know, cleaning the fish. Jesus, what are we going to do now? What are you doing? What are you doing? Can't record it all. He's not run off and left them. His ministry is just starting. He is launching them into what he is going to do with his church. And I want you to understand that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. And Jesus is all about restoration. And he restores Peter at that moment. So if there was any doubt in Peter's mind, of his relationship with Christ because when he denied him three times perhaps or even just the silly things that he would tend to do, Jesus is right on him and says, I love you, feed my sheep, I'm counting on you. And so if you have a past this morning, I want you to understand that you can let it go. He is more concerned about your future. He's the firstborn of the dead. He is the firstborn of a new creation. 
He is sovereign over everything and he is the rightful heir to everything. Because of Jesus, we don't just have a soul that will go to heaven, but we will get a physical body that goes to heaven. And we will be raised to a new life. And that he appeared to the disciples over a 40-day period, not only establishing the proof of his resurrection, but to continue to teach and give them instruction on the continued establishment of the new covenant. And he presented himself by many proofs. And lastly, Jesus is in the restoration business. And just like he does with Peter, he says, tend my lambs. Shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. And he desires that you and I be fully restored to him so that we can receive his joy. Amen. So I want to share with you this morning that if you're in a place in your life where you're not sure, you can be sure. If you're in a place in your life where you're having some struggles and need prayer, we can pray for you. I'd like anybody who wants prayer, just after we dismiss, just to come on up front and we'll pray for you. I just want to say this morning that I was encouraged to be able to read and study and know that Jesus didn't just run on off to heaven. And this is just the beginning. There's much more to come. We're going to be pursuing the book of Acts, and I hope you stick around. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father God, we pray that your word spoke to us this morning. And and that we could see you, Lord, more and more and more clearly all the time, God. We love the fact that you visited with the disciples and appeared to them and encouraged them, not only to show that you were risen, but, Lord God, to teach and show them what they must do next. We look forward to hearing more about that in the weeks to come. We observe Ascension Day, and, and we'll be observing Pentecostal Sunday, and God, we can't wait to know what you're going to do with us. Lord, I pray that everyone here would understand and learn and know what it means to receive the power that you can bestow on us. We bless you this morning. We give you glory. We thank you for an opportunity to gather together. Lord, I pray that you bless everyone in the sound of my voice. And Lord, we thank you for the new creation, the new life that we have, and the work that went before you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen. Well, bless you this morning. I hope you caught a little something. More to come. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m. and a Sunday morning worship service at 10:30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.